0: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The challenges in this morning's parable from Matthew are many. The intra- intra-textual references are layered as this is one of three parables in a series of three that, is not, that were not intended to be read without the other two. Located near the end of Matthew's gospel, this entire section builds towards Jesus' final act in Jerusalem. Matthew's narrative foreshadows the consequences of the rejection that Jesus will face in Jerusalem, keep in mind that Matthew is writing in 70 CE, just after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. He was writing to a community that was still trying to make sense, to make meaning of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, the very real fate of their own community, and the questions of eternal life. A world away, yet perhaps more in common with our own experience than we might imagine at first glance. It is important to name that the offenses most commonly taken towards this parable tend to be grounded in the conflicts we find with our own experience of hospitality. At least in public, our sense of hospitality seems to be aimed at offending no one. We go to tremendous lengths We go to tremendous lengths to neither offend nor purposefully exclude anyone but the plain reality is that this was not the case in the ancient world truthfully we have very little experience or understanding for the norms that governed hospitality in the context of the parable it's important to own that our own offenses are grounded in our own expectations and to do our best to lay those aside as we seek any sort of meaning or understanding as to what Jesus might have been pointing towards. With all of that in mind, there are rich allegories contained within. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to an invitation. Think for a minute about a party that you have thrown that required a great deal of planning and thoughtful execution. You worked through the guest list, the timing, weather-related challenges, food and drinks, every possible provision for food allergies, lighting, and music. Perhaps it was a wedding banquet, a baby shower, a milestone birthday party, a retirement celebration, a going-away party for a beloved friend, or an annual gathering that you've come to look forward to over the years. Mentally, the gathering took up considerable energy as you gave tremendous thought to the experience that your guests would have when gathered. And yet the invitation represents so much more than the gathering itself. I wonder what it might feel like to have your invitation rejected and for seemingly trivial reasons that your guests openly shared with you. The first part of this parable includes a rejection by the king's guests, and for admittedly mundane reasons. I wonder what it might have felt like to be in the king's position, to be without companions in celebrating one of the greatest joys of your life. I wonder if the king's invitation is like God's invitation to take part in a beautiful eternal banquet. I wonder how God feels to have humanity reject this invitation. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a banquet. Thanksgiving is my husband's favorite holiday. His primary thesis for the supremacy of this holiday is that the current iteration we observe is all about food. There's not layer upon layer of religious, secular, and familial expectations set in competition with one another. Rather, it is simply a Thursday in November that is set aside for an extravagant meal with as many people as one can gather. A few years ago, he invited a group of our close friends to gather for the meal many of whom happen to be clergy types in their families, making travel for the holiday challenging because Sunday is always just around the corner. We took care of the turkey, gravy, and mashed potatoes and asked others to bring their favorite side dish. Of the six families invited, no one was particularly communicative about what they intended to bring. (laughs) And this plays into my constant fear about hosting, which is that we will run out of food. So over the course of the week i added a dish a day to our lineup just in case folks didn't bring as much as we were anticipating and because there are just so many delicious options when it comes to sides at thanksgiving as you might expect i was comically wrong in the estimation of offerings that would come to the table no one was able to choose just one favorite side dish so many came bearing two or three in quantities that could have fed those assembled for days. We ate and ate and ate some more, and at the end of the night, I'm fairly certain there were more leftovers than food that had been consumed. The generosity of offerings was the epitome of what I imagine a banquet set forth to showcase abundance might look like. Not only were all fed, but we could have continued to feed the masses. A simple offering, overshadowed by my own doubt, but enough to fill anyone's cup past the brim. (laughs) The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a banquet. One danger that comes with this parable is losing the reality that the guests are invited to a banquet, which is defined by abundance. The rejection of the invitation to the banquet is followed by a harsh punishment and a dramatic invitation to anyone else who could be found, both good and bad. The pendulum swings from generosity to cruelty and finally back to generosity. Now, if the parable ended there, we'd inevitably be caught in a trap, wondering what to make of it, though perhaps willing to err on the side of believing that the king was a generous host. But that's not where the parable ends. The thing most modern readers find unforgivable comes at the end, when one guest gets excluded for a seemingly minor violation of the dress code. The weeping and gnashing of teeth is the final straw that results in many rejecting this parable from the canon of Holy Scripture altogether. It is rough, to be sure. But we have to hold this intention with the previous specification that all had been gathered both good and bad i wonder if a part of this parable isn't a means for clarifying that all are welcome but there is still a need to partake in the celebration rejecting the wedding robe is a means of rejecting the premise of the gathering itself or Put in other terms, all are welcome, but it is, God, it is still God who has done the inviting. If a guest does not believe in God, this is probably not the celebration that will be the most meaningful for them. It is a choice and one that comes with consequences as all choices do. I think the rub in this passage is ours to own and not one we can rightfully read into the text. Clearly, I'm not going to make an effort to tie this parable into a neat bow for you because that does a disservice to the complexity in Jesus' message and the narrative itself. We cannot escape the fact that there is much here with, with, with which to wrestle. Historical context and textual references can only get us so far. But I do think that this parable does what good parables do, forces us to wrestle with difficult questions and wonder about that to which Jesus is calling us. Or as the Reverend Andrew McGowan puts it, do not assume you already know what is demanded of you, let alone that you have fulfilled it any more than you think you know what this parable is about or how it ends. The kingdom of heaven is like an invitation, like a banquet, like a command, and always a mystery. It is not an ask that is muddled, but rather one that requires an alignment of our actions with kingdom values. After all, God was willing to risk humanity rejecting the invitation because we mean everything to him. Amen.